Good morning, church. Guess what? Tom's not preaching. Warren's not preaching. You have a typed outline in front of you. God still works in mysterious ways as wonders to perform. So, praise God. I think there's a testimony in there somewhere. But anyway, um, just a correction that I want you to make on your outline. Towards the bottom there, I, I have 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and following. Change that to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and the following on your, your notes. So, cut me some slack. He got a typed outline there. That's a good thing. But the other thing is that, you know, even whether it's Tom or Warren or whoever, God always whispers in our ear while we're speaking what he wants to say to add to it or adjust it or whatever. And that's a good thing. So just this morning, I got my personal stationery out and I wrote down what he said to me going before I came up here. And that's a good thing. So... Having said that, in today's, the topic we're going to look at today, in terms of the Lord's joy, what he, this is just the tip of the iceberg, what I'm sharing today. There is more. There is much more. There's a lot more. Let us not settle for less. And the other thing that uh, I want to make a disclaimer on is that if I am fighting back tears through this message, I'm not going to fight back because this is a powerful word. And I prayed, God, give me the strength to say and, and let them hear the heart behind the words. So having said that, let's pray. Lord, we just give you thanks for who you are. Lord, I just give these words to you. They're yours. Your words are life. Your words are spirit. Your words are uh, set us free. You speak and things happen for our good. Father, I pray that the things that we, you say today, that they would not just... Uh, that we would not just hear them, that they would not just go in one ear and out the other, that we would say, yeah, that's nice, and then put it in a compartment and set it on a shelf. Father, I pray today that this would be a defining moment. Every day with you is a defining moment. You are the game changer. You are the reason why we sing. You're the reason why we live. You have plans for us, plans for welfare and not calamity, a future and a hope. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads. You are... Your joy is our strength. So Father, I pray this day, give me the strength to say what you want to say. Let them see your heart in the words and behind the words and I give myself to you. You are most welcome, Lord. Touch us, change us, and let us not settle for less than what you died for to make a way where there was no way that we could enjoy you and be with you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was uh, preparing for this message, um, 
this is a, a great book. It's by A.W. Tozer. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy, The Attributes of God, Their Meaning in the Christian Life. And I thought for a moment to myself, you know what? I could use that title and go for the Guinness record of the world's longest sermon title. And I thought, no, I can't do that. And, but what I do want to say is that the attributes of God, their meaning in the Christian life, that's precisely the thing that I want to speak to today with the topic of his joy. And so as far as uh, talking about this book, I thought, man, this is a great reference book. Here's a man who's, who's written a book who knows a lot of good things about the Lord. So I'm, as, I, uh, as I peruse through the, the table of contents, the, uh, the eternity of God, the immutability of God, the wisdom of God, the omnipotence of God, the divine transcendence, his omnipresence, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the justice of God, the love of God. And I'm going down the list. What? What? Where's the joy? How? That can't be. This is A.W. Tozer. How can there not be joy in here somewhere? And I thought, well, that's a fine how do you do. I want a reference book here. I highly respect the man. And what do I get? There's no joy. Where's the joy? Well, thank you, brother. In the bottle. It's in the, oh, the joy's in the bottle. <laughs> in that case, I'm going to take the lid off and I pray the Lord pour it out on every one of us today. So, that brought me to the place, okay, I won't use this for the longest sermon title and the, the, the words came to me, joy in the journey. And as I, as I pondered this, I thought of all these things, you know, when I, when I think of the attributes of God, that as I just read off that list, a lot of these come to your forefront. Maybe not in the same order that I, I read them, but a lot of these come to the forefront. But I would submit to you and to myself that honestly, I don't put joy up there in that ranking. I have a tendency, and I would submit that I'm not the only one, I tend to view his joy in a different light, in a different way. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not diminishing his joy, and I'm not diminishing the other attributes here. I'm, what I am saying is that I don't necessarily think about his joy as, as much as I think about, yes, these other things that I just mentioned, his love, his mercy, his grace, they're true, they are. And I found myself challenged by this attribute. And what I want to say to you is that a while back, Tom shared a message on God being jealous over us. And he shared a message on the fatherhood of God. And it made me think about 
that worship song that we've sung about his reckless love. There's, there's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't tear down. He would leave the 99 to go after the one. And so what I want to tell you is that with his joy, his joy is just as powerful, just as intense, just as fervent as the rest of his attributes. And if we... I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, I found that, you know, my view in my growing up of God has vastly changed through the years. And in my growing up, my view of God the Father with furled brow, arms crossed, scowl on the face, wow, if I don't have it together, I don't even want to try to get close. I, I'm just being honest. I was kind of like the children of Israel looking at Mount Sinai with the lightning flashes. And I, man, this, this, there's no way. And then I saw Jesus. Well, he's, he's more laid back. He's more easygoing. He's the guy that I can snuggle up to. And he's the one who goes up to the, to the Father and kind of schmoozes things over. I'm just being honest that in my initial perception for over 20 years of God, and then to add that to the mix, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you. What an outlook on life. Let me say it this way. Sinner, one who excels in missing the mark. What an outlook on life. I, I was being nice and saying 20, well over 20 years of my life. And then just for good measure, I read somewhere, God gives you the week. The least you can do is give him back an hour on Sunday morning. Oh my gosh. I, now the good news is, is that he's our redeemer and he can redeem the time. So the 20 plus years that were lost, God can redeem that and he did and he does. But what I want to say to you this morning then, having said that, is that there are certain things of God that we are not used to seeing him in this way. And it's important for him to see them in the whole of scripture, the way that he portrays himself, so that we have a balanced picture, an accurate picture of who he is. So that, for example, in Luke 15, where we see the, the father looking, watching, for his son to come back. Who can you picture almighty God, the one that Isaiah saw on the throne, lifted up. Can you picture him? Can you see him pulling up his robes, tying them off so that he could run out to his son? We don't think in those ways about God. And then who kisses him nonstop Then, who says, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, put a crown on his head. We don't think about God in these terms. I'm being honest, myself as well. So in the, what I'm saying is let's not hold back in our perspective. God, open the eyes of our understanding to get the full accurate picture of who you are and how you see us and how much you do rejoice over us. So, Psalm 40 Oh, and then just for good measure here, with all of that, as if that wasn't enough, he says, let's throw a party. Rejoice with me. My son who was dead is now alive. Kill the fatted calf. God rejoicing. 
Psalm 40, verse 1, in the following verses, I waited patiently for the Lord. He, he, inclined, he inclined his ear. Can you picture, can you see God stooping from his throne, bending his ear to your cry? I want you to picture that. I want you to take that in. We don't think. Each one of these verses that I'm going to say to you, let them simmer. Let them, I used the word marinate once before, but I'm going to use it again. Let that do something for your thinking. Let him change your thinking. Let him broaden it. If you had it in, him in a box, I'm wanting you to kick out the walls of that box and say, God, change my thinking. This is you. This is who you are. He inclined. He inclined, stooping from the throne, bending here, his ear, almighty God, to your cry, to your cry. And why do I say cry? Because the joy that he wants us to have, he's not turning a blind eye to your pain. He knows. So that brings me to our text this morning. Zephaniah 3, 17. And then I put also uh, uh, the passage in Isaiah, I six, Isaiah 62, verse 5. But I changed that there, and I put Isaiah 62, 4 through 5. So starting here with Zephaniah 3, starting at verse 15. The Lord has taken away your judgments. Hallelujah. He has cast out your enemy. Yes, he defeated him at the cross. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear. Zion, let, your hands, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one. He could have stopped there. He, and he goes on. He doesn't stop there. The Lord your God in the midst, the mighty one, will save. Yes, that's true. Could have stopped there and that's true and we would rejoice. He doesn't stop there. This is what he says next and that just adds all the more to it. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's worth shouting about, and that's why I am shouting this morning. My goodness. The word rejoice, he uses two different words there. The word, the first time he uses the word rejoice, it's mirth, it's glad, it's let it out. The second one is I can't stop. It's great. It's good. This is what he does. This is who he is. Every time when you come into his presence, oh boy, that's what I think of you guys. Let that soak in. If you don't remember anything else, remember that I jumped up and down as a representation of what the Lord says and does. He will rejoice over you with singing. With singing. Psalm 32, he talks about singing over you with songs of deliverance. It's not just a one-time song. Psalm 40, if you read a little bit further down, he says what? I put a new song, a new song in your mouth. I believe that song is a song of joy. A song of thanksgiving and so let me say this I've seen this verse but not today this connection in Psalm 30 
Verse 11, there's a verse that says, thou hast turned my morning into dancing for me. And I thought to myself, what is it with dancing in the Bible here? And I thought, okay, he did it. He wants us to do it. He wants us to partake of it. And so, you know my love for movies. Uh, how many of you are familiar with uh, Evan Almighty? Anybody familiar with that movie? Or not? Okay. So let me, there's a scene in there, Evan Almighty. Morgan Freeman plays God. And uh, Steve Carell plays a, a biz, a, he's a, biz, a newsman. And he gets promoted to Congress. Anyway, God wants him to build an ark. Okay. Anyway, there's, there's action and dialogue between the two. And at the end of the movie, there's a place where the family's together. God brought them through to the other side of the hardships and conflicts they went through. Imagine building an ark. Okay. But there's a place at the end of the movie, and this is what I want to cut to, that Steve gets together with God, and this is what the Lord says to him. He says, it's, it's time to do the dance. I'm talking about a greater truth here. I'm not talking about a movie. Yes, I like the movie, but it speaks to a greater truth. And I want to invite you this day during the worship and the days. Well, it's a good thing I had that disclaimer. It's time to do the dance with him because he made a way where there is no way he joys over you with singing and so they're up there and they're doing they're dancing they're up there i want you to picture yourself in your quiet time just think about it and even do it god dancing over you and dancing with him it's time to do the dance church it's time to do the dance and it's time for the world to see that we're doing the dance. And the reason why we dance. In talking about his joy, he is our joy. So let me say this. Mary visits Elizabeth. You're familiar with the story. They're both pregnant. Um, when you're in the belly of the mother, you don't have a bay window that you can see to the outside world. Uh, you don't have a panoramic view. We have ultrasound and you see the baby in a, in a bubble, so to speak, you know, just in, surrounded by fluid. What happens, what happens, you know, Mary visits Elizabeth, Mary talks. And what happens in the womb of Elizabeth when Mary comes and opens her mouth? John leaps for joy. I, I, I'm telling you, I've seen some babies move with my kids, but I can't imagine if you're a baby leaping for joy, what does that look like in a womb? I mean, that had to be painful. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, but it's the idea that he leaped for joy. And Jesus did not give John a word of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Uh-oh, sorry, Amy. <laughs> I, he did not say, 
It's not like there were two windows. It's not like he had a word of knowledge. He didn't say a word. That, that, you can't say that from Scripture. All you can say from Scripture is Mary had started to have a conversation with Elizabeth, and what happened? Okay, in his presence is fullness of joy. Not a little bit. Fullness. I am challenging myself and us. Let us not settle for less. He is all out, full throttle. He is more freed up than I give him credit for. But he wants us to enter in and have that joy. He died for it. That's what it says. He made a way. He took the judgments that were against us and cleared the way. He silenced the mouth of the accuser. So in searching through the scriptures and talking about the joy of the Lord, I, I could not find a scripture. Now I know that he has all joy and I know that he had the joy with the Father and with the Spirit. I understand that. And he could have kept it there. But I don't see any place you know, in, in the scriptures where he purposed to keep that joy all to himself. So let me throw this out to you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Who for the joy set before him endured the cross? Well, if he is all joy, then who set that joy before him? And then secondly, what was that joy that was set before him? Now wrap your head around that. I submit to you that he had this joy of what he wanted to see. His desire. His desire was to see you reunited, reconciled, restored to him. And I didn't do this earlier, but I'm going to do this now. And I want you, uh, Isaiah 62, verse, verses 4 and 5. That's all right. That verse still fits perfectly right here. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hephzibah, and your land Beulah. In case you didn't know what Hephzibah means, he's going to say what it is in the next sentence. For the Lord delights. The Lord delights. The Lord delights delights in you. That means enjoys you. That means getting together with you. That, that, that does not mean putting up with you. That means something that you look for to take pleasure in. I'm telling you, when we think of God and I think of pleasure, I think of two different things. But God says, He takes pleasure in you. And again, I, I just want to throw out a poor comparison here. I like sitting down with a bowl of popcorn and watching a good classic movie on TV. I said that was a poor comparison. But I'm saying it to convey the thing that there is an expectation, that there is great delight, that there is a looking forward to. When he says, I delight, that means I enjoy. This is not something to get through and then it's done. This means enjoying every moment but being together with Him. 
And guess what? Every step in the journey, He is with us. He is with us to the end. Every step along the way. And so, going forward, Jude 24, it says, Now unto Him who was able to present you before His presence, who was able to present you, to keep you from stumbling and present you before His presence with what? Great joy. If you look at some of the other words that he uses to describe that joy, exceeding joy, inexpressible joy. You know, if his joy already knows no limit, but here he, to me, it's just like he's, he's doubling down on that. Exceeding joy, great joy. So I challenge you and encourage you and extend this invitation that in the journey, this should be, this is a tremendous game changer and invitation and promise every step of every day from whether he takes us home to the day he comes back everything in between unto him who was able to keep you present to keep you from stumbling and present you before his presence with great joy I want to change your quiet time and how you approach it. I'm changing my quiet time. I've sat on this thing for several weeks and my cup runneth over. And that's my prayer here this morning that it runs over onto you. And I want you to hear the heart behind the words. So, joy in the journey. Psalm 89, 15 says, Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance, his presence. In his name shall they rejoice when circumstances are right. All. All what, Dan? All the day. And in thy righteousness they shall be exalted. You know what comes to my mind? Um, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God does not consist of meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and what? Joy. Out of all the things he could have said about the kingdom of God, he's, he, he settles on three. And here we see a, 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 a correlation to that. A verse that just beautifully joins those three things together. Think about walking in an environment of joy. You know, I've had the opportunity to visit a prison. I've had an opportunity to, to go into a, a housing project. I've had, a, I've had an opportunity to go into some difficult places. And just, for example, just going into the prison, I sensed, and anybody, or even going out on the mission field, there's different places where you go, you know what I'm talking about. You can just sense the oppression. You can sense the evil. But I'm telling you here, righteousness, peace, and joy. Think about what that is to walk in an environment like that. I've even seen it at work to where it so moved me to take some kind of action because it, it, it's disruptive. It's destructive. And it just shuts down everything 
The, joy, the joyful sound. That word sound means battle cry. It means a shout. The joyful sound. And so I believe that's him speaking in that verse. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. That's the sound of the shepherd. That's the sound of God calling out and speaking out, singing out over you. And in Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8, you could go all the way to the end of that psalm, by the way, but it talks about the purposes of the Scripture. And in that set of verses there, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. That word convert means to revive. If you've lost your joy, if your joy is withered, converting the soul, God can revive. It says reviving. The testimony of the sure, making wise and simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. That is one of the purposes of his word, to rejoice the heart. So let me throw one more verse in there just because where would it fit? This will fit in light of that. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. How many of you like taking medicine? Now, more often than not, medicine leaves a, has a bad taste. I just do not like taking medicine. How many of you, if you take medicine, you just take it for one day and just stick it on a shelf and that's it, you don't bother with it? This, this is what this verse says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. What does medicine do? It heals. So I'm saying in the joy of the Lord today and going forward, I am believing God for healing in your lives. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I can't wrap my head around it, but that's what he says. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. When you think about what medicine does, it is to heal. God, take the lid off of that medicine and pour it out on us today going forward. His joy... His joy sustained him and he didn't quit. You know when he saw the cross? He saw a bigger picture. I submit to you that that picture, that joy, that joy overshadowed the thing that was right before him. And he said, oh, this is here for now. But there is a greater picture. There is a destiny. There is a goal and I will not be denied. That's him. That's him. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. When those guys tormented him on the cross, if you're the son of God, come down. Oh, gosh. He could have come down. I'm glad he didn't. There's no place where his joy cannot reach. So, again, I am not talking about a, a joy fest or turning a blind eye to the hardships of life. But if you look, and I'm just going to throw a couple scriptures out here. Isaiah 55, 12. Joy in the journey. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. What do you want to go into? How about going into the day with joy? How about finishing the end of the day with joy? The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. You shall go out with joy. Psalm 30, verses 5, uh, the last part of verse 5. Weeping may endure for the night, but what? Joy comes in the morning. How many of you can stop morning from coming? 
How many of you can stop a rooster from crowing? When does a rooster usually crow? Most of them that I know, it's the crack of dawn. You cannot stop morning from coming. You cannot stop a rooster from crowing. You cannot stop the joy of the Lord from happening. The enemy, the enemy cannot stop the joy of the Lord from being your strength. The, joy, the enemy cannot stop the joy of the Lord from being your outlook on life. The, joy, the enemy cannot stop the joy of the Lord from being your strength. He defeated him. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me. Thou hast put off my sackcloth. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me and girded me with gladness. Who's, who did the turning? He did. Who took off the sackcloth? He did. I'm not minimizing those things. And what does he do? We, we, we are witnessing a miracle here. And it says he clothes me. He girds me. Another picture. He girds me with gladness. John 16, 20 to 22. Jesus is talking with the disciples at the Lord's Supper there. And he's talking about the fact that that uh, he's going to be dying, he's going to be leaving, or, well, he's going to be dying, excuse me. And his disciples are sad, and the Lord's telling them, the world's going to rejoice, and you guys are going to be sad. But just for a little bit. And then he, he compares it to the woman who was about to give birth, that there is pain going through the birth. But he says afterwards, after the birth, the mother forgets the pain because of the joy she has of a son being born. I'm trying to redeem myself, Amy, after what I said earlier about the leaping for joy. The, there is joy. There is joy in the miracle of the birth. There is joy in the son that is born. And so wherever we are in our journey, whether we're on a mountaintop, whether we're in the valley, whether we're in a, a hardship, there is the other side. And even when we're in the valley, in the hard place, he is with us. And because he's with us in the fire, because he's with us in the flood, we can have his joy in the midst of that. So that brings me to that brings me to this. If he wants me to have joy in the journey, boy, and this was a hard question for me to ask. Well, I shouldn't let me say it this way. This is the question that the Lord gave me, and this is one that I had to come and answer honestly, but that's a good thing. So if he wants me to have joy in the journey because he's with us every step of the way and he is our joy and his joy is our strength, then what is affecting my joy that I don't have more of it in my life? You can say it however you want to say it. 
I'm not satisfied with the joy of my, that I have in my life. But I don't have to stay there. I can think of a lot of other things, you know, when it's up here, but when it comes to joy, it's kind of like down here. But I don't believe that I'm the only one. And that brings me back to Psalm 30, verse 11. That's what he brought me back to. And the question came to me, you know, when it says, he's girded me with gladness. You know, it's amazing how he knows just the question to ask. He's... It shouldn't surprise me when it says the Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows just how to go right to the core. So that verse talks about and girded me with gladness. I had to, I had to answer the question this way. I girded myself with the wrong things. You know, if he wants to gird me, how can he gird me with gladness if I gird myself with responsibilities? How can he gird me with gladness if I clothe myself with stress? How can he gird me with gladness if I have all these challenges, these deadlines, raising kids, you fill in the blank. How can he gird me with gladness if I have fear, if I have doubt, if I gird myself with pain? I'm just being honest. You fill in the blank. I'm just putting these things out there that what I did is I could think of several, and I just mentioned a few, that I, I girded myself with. And I said, well, it's no wonder I don't have any joy. I have a terrible wardrobe. So the next thing that he brought to my attention, and I, I phrased it this way, audience, audience of one. Where's my focus? And he led me to Psalm 16, verses 7 through 11. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So starting this off, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. What was that counsel? Well, there was two things. First of all, we see in this passage that David set the Lord always before him. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I want you to take that verse, I want you to take that verse and put it in your quiver of promises for the days ahead. For the journey ahead. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. 
And then Colossians 3.23, a familiar verse. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto man. I just want to share with you, you know, sometimes we take a verse and we tuck it away and then and just even like doing this message, it's amazing how the Lord allows an example to come forward to really speak to the issue. So at work, my place of work, I work for the Navy and I am tasked or what's coming down the line is that I have, we have to build an airtight unit, an airtight heating and cooling coil for the Navy. When it says airtight, that means no leaks. There can be no air anywhere coming out of there. Not a smidge. Not iota. So to my great joy, I don't get just one unit. We get six. That one is enough. They're labor intensive. The way they're put together, you use gasket, it's very labor intensive because you want it to make sure that when the air goes in or it goes out, there's going to be no leaks and you have to test it. And sometimes the leaks are evident and you spot them and other times you have to be a detective and you got to track it down. And I mean track it down. Like... You, well, these units, they're, they're like over 1,000 pounds. So we're talking... Thank you, Dan. They're like this big and they will get bolted up to the ceiling of the ship or the sub wherever they go and there's a reason why depending on where they go in the ship why they're airtight as opposed to others but that's what they want and they pay for that so I'm fighting a deadline and then my partner who was there is not at the same place where I am in terms of the production of the thing and then he's going on vacation the next day. I was frustrated. I was not happy. I was angry. I took up an offense. I'm telling you what was in my heart. I thought to myself, this isn't fair. I'm going all out. I'm doing this. I'm getting done what my portion is to get done. I have a right to be angry. This isn't right. So I told you, God knows how to pick an example and bring it right out. So, very first, when all this is going on, then he says to me, let it go. Let it go. If you believe that you're doing this unto me, you have to let this go. Totally. Let it go. So, I had the opportunity to repent. You know, repentance sometimes, we give it a bad rap. Repentance is an opportunity to get a do-over, to, to get the slate wiped clean, to enter into it the right way. And the second thing I had to do was forgive. I had to forgive this guy. 
I had to let it go. If the, one of the very first lessons I, I learned, and Nick said this when I came down here the very first night. He said, if you want to tie God's hands, then don't forgive. I have never forgotten that. I do not want God's hands tied in my life. So I had to let go of the pain. And you know what? I had to trust that God, I had to trust him then. Okay, if I'm going to let go of the pain, I'm not going to I cannot hang on to this pain as some kind of evidence to justify my case. If I want to have joy, his joy, then this is what I had to do. So when he said, let it go, I said, okay. And let me tell you, did my flesh like that? No, my flesh didn't. I let, okay, so I said, God, forgive me. I forgive Randy. I forgive him for not holding up. I forgive him for not being at the same place. I forgive him. Forgive me. We just prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive me and cleanse me. I'm letting this go, Lord, and I'm purposing to do this unto you. And the moment that I did that, he lifted me out of that valley. I said, he lifted me out of that valley. And I knew that I had been lifted out and I had a right heart, a clean heart, a confident heart because I took the higher ground. Not that it was me, but it was him. He gave me the way out. He gives us the way out. So I want to close with just these two things. If we're... Um, sometimes, one of the things that, that I have to do, and uh, this was very telling in this situation, but you know, where was my focus in this? I allowed my focus to be turned. And so... The Lord gave me another illustration. Many of you know over the last week uh, what's been pretty prevalent in the news. I'll just say, dare I say politics? I don't want to set off a firestorm here. But you know over the last week and over the last month there's been some things that have been pretty prevalent in the news in the world of politics. And you can ask Donna, there's been more than one time where I haven't ranted and raved and I found myself, you know what? I'm kind of doing like the guy in Psalm 73. He started off in a good way. And what happened? Well, look at this. They're getting away with bloody murder. And we're supposed to do the right thing. This isn't right. Donna can tell you on more than one occasion things that uttered out of my mouth. And I was very much sounding like the guy in Psalm 73. But I'm saying that to say this. 
that I can choose what I'm going to take in. That doesn't mean that I'm ignorant to what's going on on the battlefield. That doesn't mean that I'm ignorant to what's going on out there in the world. He wants us to. But if I take it in and I let it do things and speak to me that aren't Christ-like or the, or the way to go forward in his, the way he wants me to, then, then, I've, then I put myself in a dangerous place. And so, again, the opportunity of repentance and forgiveness and to guard my heart and to watch what I take in. And just like the guy at the end of Psalm 73, what happens? When he went into the sanctuary, when he came into God's presence, what happened? God gave him revelation. Well, the revelation that I want you to have this day is about his joy. And that you don't let anyone, you don't let the enemy, you don't let circumstances, you don't let neighbors, you don't let anyone steal away that joy. And so, go on the offensive. You don't have to wait for the circumstances to change to go on the offensive. God sees the beginning from the end. He's with you in the midst of the battle. He will see you through and so Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. If my flesh, if my soul is squawking, I can tell it to shut up and I can do. I can take what God tells me to do and God will empower me to do. That's the nice thing about it because he's with me every step of the way. And I can tell my soul, Bless the Lord, all my, O my soul, and all, 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 don't hold back, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You want to go on the offensive? Then remember his benefits. Much to my chagrin, there are all too many times where, oh, I forgot about that. Remember. And then lastly, yeah, uh, excuse me, I'll put one more verse there. Um, that speaks to that same point. At the third chapter of Habakkuk, it says, though there's no fruit on the vine, though there are no calves in the stall, what does he purpose to do? What does he choose to do? He chooses to rejoice in the God of his salvation. You can read that and it says that God, God will bring him through. God will see him. Even though there's nothing going on right now, God's going to bring me through this. Just like it says in Isaiah 43, when you go through the fire, when you go through the flood, the fire's not going to take you out. The flood's not going to take you out. I'm with you in the midst and I'm going to bring you through. So that brings me to this. And this is my, the final word, I promise. And that's this. Over the passing of time and in our services, God, God speaks to us through the worship. He in the worship time, He speaks to us through... The, the sermon, he speaks to us through the gifts, prophecies, in any number of different ways God speaks to us. And when God speaks to you, that you take that to heart. You, you claim that for your own. I can't help, but I remember a while back, Stephen got up at the end of a message and he shared a word of exhortation 
from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and the following. And that had to do with no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for him. And he goes on about that. He, his revealing to us what he, that the, the Spirit searching out the things of God and being able to understand what he has freely given to us and how he said we can choose what, what path we're going to take and what we want to enter into. So I want to close with these words that Paul encouraged Timothy and he said by these prophecies and this word is prophecy the words in this book were not meant to stay on the page Paul wrote to Timothy by these prophecies you are able to fight a good warfare so this is, this is my prayer. Father God, we just bow our hearts before you. We thank you, Lord, that you are our joy. We thank you that you are the glory and the lifter of our heads. We thank you, Lord, that <clears throat> in your presence there is fullness of joy. We thank you, Lord, that along the way there is no point where you will leave us or abandon us. You are the one who says, <clears throat> that, that presents us before yourself with great joy and when, we're <clears throat> and when we are faithful to do what you put before us to do, at the end when it's done and we stand before you, Lord, you say, you're the one who says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Father God, Open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our understanding. I pray for you to impart your joy into us. Blow into our sails. For those of us <clears throat> where we're frustrated, where we've settled for less, where we've lost the joy, where our joy is little, Father God, <clears throat> you are our joy. Restore unto us, restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. Lord, we bow our hearts before you and I pray that as we go into the communion time, Lord, this is a great opportunity to bear our hearts to you and say, Lord, restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. Lord, I'm trusting you because you're faithful who's promised to do that. And I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to rejoice in you the same way that David rejoiced in you. Whether that's in song, whether that's in dancing, however you put it on our hearts to do it, let us not hold back because you are our example. You dance over us. You sing over us. You joy over us. To that end, we commit our spirits, we commit our lives unto you, Lord to the day that we cross from this side of eternity to be with you forever. And we thank you that you're faithful who's promised. Amen.